Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Lead. My name is Jennifer Sang, and you're listening to a podcast that is dedicated to bringing leadership principles and leadership ideas to everyday people. Because I believe that leadership is a way of being, not a title or a function, but rather a way of being and how we lead ourselves and how we show up intentionally every day. In the podcast today, I'm going to talk about what the new way of working looks like. Now, I know over the last couple of years, as we've had to transition into this new way of being, especially at work, around being more remote and having to rely more on technology than physically being present, it's really thrown a lot of people into chaos, whether it's executives or managers or just everyday um, people, we've all had to really change our behaviors and start thinking of things differently. Now, I've seen that there is a really big opportunity here. And for myself, I've worked in high tech for the last 20 years. So I have spent maybe the last 10 years or more working in a hybrid environment where I may only go into the office a couple of days a week um, and maybe only for a few days, depending on what was going on at the time. But so I've been very accustomed to this lifestyle. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, a couple of years ago, it, it was just like another day at the office. But I know that there are a lot of people in a lot of different sectors who really had struggled with this transition and maybe continue to struggle. And it, it'll be interesting to see how we all kind of come through this and how this might change the way we work forever. But Today's podcast, I want to focus on talking about what are some of the benefits and what are some of the drawbacks to this new way of working. And if you're an executive or a manager or just an everyday leader, what are some things that you can do to create better environments for this new way of working to happen and use it as an opportunity to not only get to know your staff and get, you know, provide that support and that environment that you know, inspires and enables and empowers them, but also how can you find ways to do that for yourself? How can you find ways to maybe find more balance or feel more empowered in the job that you do? So I'll talk through some of that stuff today and maybe a couple of tips for how you might be able to manage that coming again from someone who's done this for many, many years and has seen all of the the positives and negatives. Um, I'll walk through that and give you some tips on what you can do going forward. Now, before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to just do a brief introduction for anybody who might not know me or might be listening to the podcast for the first time. My name is Jennifer Sang, and I am an ICF certified leadership coach. So I work with executives, managers, aspiring managers, and everyday people like entrepreneurs, people in the medical field. I work with people who want to develop that deeper level of consciousness into their leadership and specifically around mindfulness. So I I work with a lot of folks who want to really discover that and really build new intentions, new practices towards having more of that mindfulness so that you can find more value and enjoyment in your everyday life. So you want to check me out and get in contact, you can visit my website. It's www.coachwithinsight.com. It'll also be in the show notes. Um, if you want the direct link, you can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I host a community, uh, chat every Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific called leaders chat. And we just 
have a great community of folks that we talk about different topics around leadership every Wednesday night. So it's a lot of fun. So if you're interested, interested in that, check it out. I'm sure we'll be doing a topic soon on kind of this new way of working and what leaders can do to, you know, support and empower their staff to have better experiences at work and so that they don't want to resign and find another job. So I think this will be a great conversation today and I'm really looking forward to it and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk all about what is the new way of working. Now, if you haven't noticed, we've been in a global pandemic for the last year and a half and lives got turned upside down. And the way that we work and the way that we live and the way we interact was completely upended and it changed everything in an instant. And what's interesting to me about that is specifically around the way that we work. Now, to be fully transparent and upfront, I have actually been working in a hybrid model um, of working for many years, I would say more than 10 years. So when the pandemics, you know, hit and we all had to adjust and make changes to accommodate this new way of working, I was pretty much just turning on the computer like it was any other day. Like I've got a home office. I was pretty well set up. I work in the the tech space. So I work for a tech company, which has a lot of great resources that we've been leveraging for many years. So for me, it wasn't really a big shift, but I know for a lot of people it was. So how is this new way of working going to impact how we all interact and how we get things done every day? So maybe starting with a question to you to reflect on is, how do you see your work changing? And is it different than maybe before the pandemic? Are your thoughts and perceptions different than, you know, before we were all forced to kind of deal with this situation? For me, I find that there have been some people who have really thrived in this environment, like myself, like I actually loved it a lot more than I thought I would. But I know there's also a lot of people out there who have really struggled and who have really craved that connection and being face to face and in person. So from my perspective, just kicking this thing off, like how I've kind of thought of this new way of working is it's all about having conversations with people and not having mandates and allowing people to have autonomy and make choices. So in my opinion, it it doesn't behoove an organization to force people back into the office because there are a large percentage of people who find that working at home is actually much more productive. They feel more psychologically safe. They feel less stressed. They don't have two-hour commutes every day. They can have balance in their life. There's so many positives. And at the same time, I realize there are some people who really want to be in the office. So when I'm thinking about what are the new, what's the new world look like in the workplace, it feels to me like it's about choices and having conversations with your teams and with each other to understand, you know, what what is it that people want? Because when I've seen a lot of backlash, just in my own circles and my own network from organizations who have demanded people to come back into the office, 
it's because they, they don't feel heard. They tell me, look, like I would much rather work at home and I'm much more productive. Why are you making me come back into the office every day? So a lot of this, you know, conversation around this new way of working for me is all about how can we understand how we all work and how can we work better together in ways that work for each one of us. It's not a one size fits all approach. It's not a, a mandate or something that is not even necessarily rooted in logic because Um, I know of somebody who actually works in a laboratory setting, and she told me that over the pandemic, she was actually 50% more productive because she was able to adjust her schedule to be able to work when it was available. So if you imagine in like a laboratory setting, you need equipment, you need to, you know, wait for people to stop, you know, doing their you know, work on the equipment and there's a lot of time, there's a lot of downtime, there's a lot of office chatter, there's a lot of, you know, all kinds of distractions. But when you're able to say, hey, I can maybe do my work that's actually physically required to be there at this time of the day when maybe nobody else is using the equipment. And then I can use the rest of my time to do other work that's more heads down that I don't necessarily need to physically be somewhere. And that actually makes me more productive. So, you know, I I know that there's some jobs in this world where, you know, you just have to be on site. But I would really, and I think COVID and this whole situation has really challenged us to think how maybe our beliefs and our mindsets might be getting in our way from actually being our best, truest selves. So today I want to talk about some of the benefits to this new way of working and also some of the drawbacks. Again, coming from um, my position where I've been able to work and have kind of this hybrid, more autonomous um, work style for a really, really long time. I've seen what works, what doesn't work, what mistakes people have made, how it's made me feel, how it's changed my ability to be my best self at work, which is, you know, what we hear from HR and, people managers is we want you to bring your best self to work. And one of the ways that you do that, one of the positives that I've come across and I've taken away from this whole hybrid model is my ability to have autonomy. And that's something that is really, really important to me. And any, you know, strengths, you know, assessments that I've taken over the years, autonomy for me is usually off the charts. Like that is something that's deeply important to me is having that ability to have flexibility and work when I'm feeling at my best. Um, You know, as a highly sensitive person, and I talked about this in previous podcast episodes, I have bursts. Like I can have a lot of energy, but I can burn out quickly. So I am really effective if I can take, you know, short breaks throughout the day. And if I'm in the office space, that is really hard to do because there's so much stimulus around me and around us when we are in a physical place where people are talking to you, there's all kinds of noises. It's really hard to get concentrated and focused. Um, So for me, it's all about how do I, you know, clock in and do some work, but then also how do I take those breaks throughout the day so that I can give myself that space to recover a little bit, kind of have some downtime and then come back to it when I'm feeling really effective. And for me, I mean, that has been 
a blessing because it's allowed me to have not only my autonomy, but find ways to have more work-life balance to, um, the other day in the morning, you know, I had, I had done some work a couple hours in the morning and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go for a bike ride and I'm just going to take 30 minutes and go out and ride my bike and get out some of this energy. I just had a lot of kind of like energy. I felt really triggered about a situation and I was able to do that. I was able to step away, go for, you know, a bike ride and just get some fresh air and then come back and feel refreshed and feel invigorated where had I been like in the workplace and feeling that way, I have nowhere to really kind of let out that energy and kind of give myself that space that I need to recover so that I can be my best self, my whole self, and not feel completely stressed and frazzled. Now, I get it. Like, not everybody is great at managing themselves. Some people do need more structure. I'm just the type of person who doesn't need a lot of structure. But I know there are people that I work with who might need more structure. So that's where, you know, in the beginning I said it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's not everybody needs to... Uh, you know, do a certain thing or behave a certain way, but it's about understanding each individual. And that's where as a leader or people manager or an executive, that's a skill that you can develop is understand the skills and the strengths of your employees and then understand what they need to support those skills and strengths. Because if we're forcing people back into the office and they're not feeling comfortable, they're not going to be their best selves. They're not going to be leveraging all of their strengths and all of their all of their abilities to their full potential. So as an executive or a people manager, it's a great opportunity for you to have more rich conversations with your teams to really understand what it is that they need so that you can support them so that they can live a more balanced whole lifestyle that make has them bring their their strengths and all of their gifts to the workplace. Now I mentioned uh, that I know somebody who was able to really thrive in, uh, you know, a situation where you might think was a job where you had to be present and physically located to be effective. But there are all kinds of ways that we can look at how we work individually and how we work together to make sure that we're being as productive and effective as we possibly can. And as a, as a leader or a manager, what I've seen is that the leaders who have difficulties with this tend to want to have that control, tend to want to have that, you know, be able to physically see people because to them that feels secure. But what that's really telling me, if I'm looking at that objectively, is that really you're, you're taking your insecurities and your fears and you're projecting that onto others, or you're afraid to have individual conversations with people because maybe it would be a difficult or tense situation. But if you're a people manager or you're an executive in an organization, that's your job to support and enable and empower your teams to be the most effective that they can be. And if, again, we're forcing people into situations that they don't feel comfortable with, they're not going to be their 100 you know, percent most effective self. So really, I mean, it, when I work with leaders and I work with a couple of leaders um, through coaching is we talk about this a lot is, you know, what are some of the things that you can do to support your staff, to make sure that they are living our values and our culture? 
We talk a lot in values and culture around, you know, bringing your whole self, psychological safety, um, work-life balance, uh, feeling more empowered, trust, all of these things. But if, if we're not having those conversations, we aren't really living those values. So how can you as a leader have those conversations? And if you do feel like, Hey, something's coming up inside me, I'm feeling anxious. I'm having a lot of fear and doubt. Maybe that's the time to turn inward. I always say that when I, a feeling comes up for me, I, I tell myself to U-turn because the minute I want to start projecting that out to somebody else, I try to stop it and turn back and say, ask myself, what am I afraid of right now? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid will happen if I do this thing or have this conversation? Getting being able to be curious with yourself is a real superpower. And just from my experience in the many years that I've worked in this hybrid environment, I've worked with some leaders who were really supportive and some who weren't. And the thing that I noticed about the people who weren't as supportive is they had this desire or this need to physically see people to feel like, hey, you're working, you're working right now. So I can see you, which ironically enough, actually, is I always laughed with that because I would be, you know, we'd be sitting out in the workspace because it was an open space. So you, I mean, basically see everybody, talk to everyone. But those people that were there every day were some of the ones who did the most talking and, you know, socializing. And I always thought to myself, like, how, how does it mean being physically present equals that you're actually working? Because if you actually see what people are doing, a lot of times it's doing other things. And again, people who work at home, even if I go on a 30 minute bike ride, I'm able to come back and maybe put in more hours because I'm feeling more refreshed, less stressed out, that I'm actually able to work. So, you know, whether you're in the office or you're not in the office, trust me, executives and managers, people are out there talking, they're, you know, eating, they're socializing and all of that's fine. But I don't think it's fair to have a bias towards somebody who prefers to work at home and assume that they're actually not working. Because from my experience, it's actually been the opposite. I'm 1000% more effective when I'm working at home. So again, and it also depends on the person. So it's about having those personalized conversations and building that trust and building that empathy so that you can understand what people need so that you can support them. Aside from having more autonomy and work-life balance and really understanding your team, this is also something that I've seen a lot and it's gotten better with technology as it's improved, but proximity and people feeling like they're included. And what I mean by that is I work in a large high-tech company here in the Silicon Valley. And I would say 15 years ago, back in the old days. Um, most of the people were located at the headquarters in San Jose, but we had a global team. So there were people in North Carolina, India, Europe, um, but we would have staff meetings. And I remember we used to all kind of huddle around this polycom that was in the, the middle of the table in San Jose. So there was, I would say 10, 15 people maybe there physically in the room. And then you maybe had like five or six people scattered throughout the world on the other line of the polycom. And I can remember them saying things like, hey, move closer to the mic. Hey, we can't hear you. Hey, you guys are having a side conversation. I don't know what you guys, I can't follow the conversation because I'm on the phone. But 
I think also with this new workplace environment, it's leveled the field a lot for people because we're all in the same, same boat together. We're all remote. We're all having to dial in through, you know, either Zoom or WebEx or Teams. So we're all in kind of the same environment, whereas a lot of times when there's a team maybe in a certain area and there are other folks in other parts of the world, they can feel like they're excluded because they aren't able to connect as easily with the people who are in the room. So another great benefit to this new way of working is that how can we make it a little bit more inclusive for everyone so people don't feel left out in conversations or don't understand the joke because they're not there in person and probably don't hear the entire conversation. I think that is a huge win because I know that having talked to these colleagues of mine who have been in other parts of the world, they had often said, hey, we don't feel like we're part of the team. We don't feel like we're included in the conversations because we're almost kind of like forgotten about. Um, Even before I would say COVID hit and we still had all this technology, if you had people in a room somewhere and then you had people remote, they feel like, you know, we're not really there. We're not really a part of the team. So how can we remove some of those barriers and help everyone feel like they're included? So again, people managers, executives, even everyday leaders, this is such a great opportunity to leverage the position that we're all in. And what I mean by that is one of the first things that I personally did when the pandemic started was I got a bunch of people together and I said, why don't we start a weekly chat where we can all just catch up? We'll all do it over lunch and we'll just kind of talk about anything. I mean, a lot of it probably revolved around COVID and what was happening in our families and all the changes, but it gave us a great opportunity to just intentionally connect. So I think one of the biggest benefits that this new way of working is going to give us is creating that intention because you have to be very intentional when you are working at home. Meaning one of the drawbacks is that it's hard to kind of find that work-life balance. In the beginning for me, I was feeling like I was almost kind of working where I lived or living where I worked because there was no really clear boundary and you just felt like you always had to be checking your email you always had to be on, you know, phone calls. You always always had to be available. And, you know, over the pandemic, I think for me that that fear kind of subsided a bit. But that's a real issue that I think a lot of people struggle with is how do I create that line between work and home? And it, you know, for me, one thing that really helped, I think having an office that I could really kind of close off at the end of the day really helped me. If you have that ability in wherever you live, I recommend it. Um, I don't recommend necessarily taking your laptop into bed every day or taking it to the couch, kitchen table, because again, that for me kind of blurs the lines where it's like, where does work stop and where does my life begin? So if you have that opportunity, uh, set up a little space for you, kind of separate from where you kind of hang out and live the most, so that you can kind of draw that boundary because I think boundaries is something that is really key and really important to not only kind of work-life balance, but just your own personal development. I mean, drawing boundaries is extremely important and this gives us an opportunity to practice that. Can I shut down my laptop at a certain time and not check the email? I personally, a long time ago, uh, removed email from my 
iPhone because I found myself late at night, checking emails, responding, you know, not really being supportive of a lot of the things that I believe in. So I personally, I deleted all of that stuff from my phone and that helped me draw a really clear boundary of, I'm not going to check this when I'm not working and when it's not within, you know, business hours. So how can we do things not only for ourselves, but as executives and people managers, how can we set that example with people um, that we that we manage? Because I can tell you that people are watching, they are emulating your behaviors. So if like, let's say you, you're a people manager and you have, you're working one night late for some reason. And let's say you have an issue that comes up that you just need. It's not urgent, but you want to make sure the team sees it. So you fire off an email at like seven o'clock at night. And then you notice by, you know, seven fifteen, you have four or five responses from people. And you think to yourself, why are you all working? Like this was just meant for me to kind of send this out. And so I don't forget, but what that says to me is you're really putting that burden on your team and asking them, Hey, don't respond to emails outside of business hours, but I'm going to send you emails outside of business hours. And I'm going to expect you not to respond instead, like as a people manager or an executive, how can you start changing your behaviors so that you're emulating things that again, we're all professing, right? All of our value statements, you know, all of our culture statements, we're saying all of these things, but we're not really doing them. And we have to understand how can we help share the burden with others and not just expect others to resist and change the way that they work. I think it's a great opportunity that we're in right now. If you're a people manager or an executive in an organization, start really getting curious with yourself and start observing and saying, what can I do to be a better manager, to show up and live these values and these culture statements every single day? So I had mentioned one of the drawbacks to this new way of working is really challenging people to find that balance and draw those boundaries because it can be really hard to kind of shut things off. So finding balance as a leader, you know, figuring out ways that you can lead your team in this new way of working, because I I believe that this is here for, you know, to stay and the old ways of leadership aren't going to fly anymore. And you see that with the great resignation. Many people are just saying, I've had enough. Like I'm, I'm feeling more empowered through this situation to make different choices. And as a coach, um, I focus on that a lot is around people feel empowered when they feel like they have choices and they feel like they can choose what's best for them instead of us dictating or someone dictating to them what they how they should live their lives. So it's about finding ways, right? And there was someone on Twitter actually yesterday that I I think she summed it up well. And how I think about this is like, give me my autonomy let me work from home. But maybe once a month, we'll all get together and do a happy hour. Like there are ways for us to still stay connected, even with all the space, even with all of the boundaries and work-life balance and technology, like find ways that we can support one another and still connect because connecting, I think at least I've realized is that you can connect with people just as well over like a zoom call as you can in person. Like it can be done. I've made some really great, you know, friends through my workplace that I've never met 
in person because they live on another continent or they live in another part of the world and we just haven't connected yet, but we've developed really strong relationships. It can work. It's just a matter of, can you kind of lead yourself and manage yourself in a way that allows you to be open to these new possibilities? And I get it. Like it's hard for some people and it will be more difficult for some than others. And at the same time, it's something that we really need to do as a society and as a collective is really hear each other, really understand what we're feeling, understand how we can support one another and really build that empathy so that we can make better choices and help lead our communities, our teams, our families in a much more open, caring, compassionate way that leaves people feeling like, hey, I matter. Um, Because at the end of the day, I mean, I think that's really at the crux of a lot of disagreements or disputes or Um, things, you know, negative feelings that come up is we're always wanting to be validated. Do we matter? So we have an opportunity to do that here with not forcing people to do something that they may not be comfortable with and really just taking a pause and getting curious with ourselves and doing a lot of the self-development work around understanding what are our triggers? What, what is behind my desire to want to see people in the office or feel anxious when, I feel like people may or may not be working. And how do I develop the courage to have those personal individualized conversations with people to understand their needs and then find ways to support them? All the while I myself am remaining whole, I am leaving the other person whole as well. And I'm and, and honestly, the more they feel seen, heard, they're validated that they matter they're going to want to stay longer in your company. Like, I mean, there's a direct correlation there. I mean, people, I think, are feeling a lot more empowered now, especially after the pandemic, to say, this is what I need. And I think they're willing to sacrifice leaving jobs and being unemployed and finding another job just to feel that sense of empowerment and that feel that sense of worth. So there might be some drawbacks to this and there might be some, you know, difficulties, things that as a people manager or an executive, you might need to work on yourself, but that's a great opportunity. I always look at that as an opportunity to help myself stretch and help myself grow. And the key to that, helping yourself stretch and grow and challenging yourself is that curiosity is that, Hey, I noticed that I'm feeling really anxious right now. And I've noticed that I'm reacting in a certain way that doesn't aligned to my values. I want to show up as a person who is compassionate and kind and, you know, supportive and are my value or my feelings right now aligning to that value. If they're not, that's a good time to kind of take a few steps back and peel a few layers back to figure out what are you really afraid of? And, you know, I think that's, I was talking to, um, one of my coaching cohort, um, friends yesterday about this and we were talking and I said, I think like when I think about what coaching can bring to the world, that is exactly what it brings for me is that ability to govern and manage ourselves in such a way that we are able to hear, really hear other people and validate them. And, and by doing that, that will empower them, that will inspire them to want to reach their full potential. Because I believe that everybody has 
potential. Everybody has their potential. It's there. It's just a matter of how do you unlock that? And whether there's, you know, you know, positives or negatives to a situation, how can you be present enough to help someone unlock that potential and help them see who they always were? And I think, frankly, my belief is that all starts with yourself. Can you see yourself fully? Can you know yourself fully? Do you unlock your own potential? If not, it's really, really difficult to do that with others. But, and I believe that all of this work is really a manifestation and and an extension of kind of our own internal work, because you'll notice the people who have a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of kind of that old school rigid mentality, they're going to project that and extend that out to others. It might be more difficult to have more of that empathy and some of this emotional intelligence. But the more you take those pauses, you get curious, you reflect, and you ask yourself tough questions, and you really start to face those things and have that courage, you can then start extending that out to others. And that will make people feel more seen, heard. They'll feel like they matter. And in turn, they'll want to work harder. They'll want to bring all of their strengths and all of their gifts to the workplace. To me, it just, it feels like a win-win situation. And anytime we can support people and empower them in ways that makes them feel whole and like they can see their potential, I'm all for it. So I'm a huge proponent of this new way of working. I think there's a lot of benefits. You know, there are some drawbacks that, you know, need to be considered, but at the end of the day, my advice would be just to get really curious with yourself and understand what it is that you need and what your team needs so that you can provide them the support so that they can be their best selves. All right, that's a wrap for today's show. I hope you enjoyed. If wherever you're listening to, if you enjoy the show, I would appreciate it if you give it a follow and leave me a comment and give me a rating. Let me know how things are going. If you if you like the content, if you want to hear something different, Just a reminder, if you want to connect with me directly, you can reach out to me through my website, coachwithinsight.com. If you're interested in this conversation or if any of this resonated with you, shoot me an email, reach out to me, let's talk. I, I love meeting new people and hearing different perspectives and talking through and having these conversations. So definitely look forward to the next show, everybody, and stay curious just a little bit longer.